0: Have you here today with Conversations with Pearl. And we have a special treat because this is truly up my wheelhouse because I just love talking about everything natural when it comes to our health and wellness. And the, the areas we're going to talk about today are, are some really big wheelhouses that when I go to my doctor, they're like, well, why are you doing that? So I'm excited to share our special guest we have today. And that's Dr. Rhonda Joliv. And she is a wife, she's a mother, she's a nurse practitioner, a functional medicine practitioner, as well as a clinical instructor, certified transformational nutrition coach, Pilates instructor. She's a PRP therapy specialist, thermography specialist, and an entrepreneur on top of that. So a lot... To do with Dr. Rhonda is her previous, what she's been doing all her life, is her nursing career. It began in intensive care and it progressed to emergency and trauma. And at the time, she never thought anything else would interest her. She loved it. After eight years as a nurse, though, Dr. Rhonda decided to return to graduate school to pursue a nurse practitioner degree. It's during her graduate program a guest lecturer spoke on homeopathy. And lightning struck for her. It was at that moment, she some things that were said in, from the guest speaker that forever changed the way she thought. Dr. Rhonda's world in medicine as she knew it was never the same. She started studying holistic and integrative medicine and it be, has become her passion. And it didn't take long for her to realize she wanted to practice. She felt this was the best medicine and transitioned to the study of functional medicine. And today, functional medicine is the foundation of her practice. Her private practice of 20 years thrives because patients search for answers. I know I search lots of answers, right? And the patients that enter her clinic, they look for empowerment to take care of their own health. They don't rely on medications to band, be a, that band-aid to a problem, right? Her patients are smart. So Dr. Laura's mission is simple. She helps you navigate the complexities of hormone balance and improve your health through that balance. She provides support, guidance, and real solutions through education, premium products, and programs. She will meet you with her compassion, decades of world experience, and of course, deep respect. She believes that the current healthcare system fails us when it comes to total mind, health, body, and spirit. And you all know, if you listened to me before, I'm right there with her. So please help me welcome Dr.
1: Rhonda. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here. And thanks so much for asking me. This is one of my favorite things to do. Actually, is to talk and just chit chat and educate. That's one of my favorite things ever. <laughs>
0: well, I'm excited because that's exactly what we're going to do: is educate. And and so I want to start. Like, let's just delve right in. Functional medicine. When people hear the word functional medicine, they're like, "Well, what does that mean? I want to function better, or you know." So, tell us a little bit more about functional medicine. And and yet we heard in your bio, but really, what was the passion that drove you to be more? Uh, with your practice, like really fo- focus on that?
1: You know, the reason I chose functional medicine back when I did, I live in a very conservative um, medical community. And I felt that when I started this whole um, new Um, education and and practice on holistic or integrative or whatever word you want to use, I knew very clearly that I had to stay very science-based. And so functional medicine is the, uh, at that time, that was where the science really was um, in this whole new world that I was in delving on. So that is why I chose functional medicine as my foundation for education, Functional medicine is really it's about our biology it's 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 how our body functions Um, at the cellular level our bodies do a lot of things and um, it pulls in genetics, uh, which is our genes epigenetics which is the environment and how that affects our genes. Uh, and it looks at ways that you can support your body to help it heal itself. Uh, and so I love the word function because um, I always I always talk about this continuum. Um, there's a continuum of health and disease. And then there's a lot in between. And so what people go to the doctor and they're not feeling well, the doctors are looking for disease, okay? and and they're doing all these tests and, Disease and everything comes back normal. It's like you're fine. Well, then why don't they feel well? Um, and so that's dysfunction. And so there's a lot of continuum towards the dysfunction. And I can almost tell how close somebody is to disease or that they're way over here. Let's keep you really healthy so you never go down that continuum of disease. And so functional medicine is really working with the dysfunction, understanding the dysfunction, what's going on in your body, and what your body needs to. Um, to to do to make that so you do prevent disease. So I'm all about preventing disease, treating dysfunction and preventing disease is kind of my thing. Now over the years, because I've been doing this since 1997. So over the years, um, things have really through technology and genetic testing has really has really grown. So it's pretty exciting. So now we can do genetic testing where we can really individualize care a lot more even according to your genes. So if your genetic makeup is this, um, you would um, be best served through this. So I do a lot of I really like looking at genetics, epigenetics, and that's really more individualized care. So it's become really precision or individualized care, whichever word you want to use. So that's kind of where I'm at today. I love that. I love it, that individual care. I love, you know, the, the I mean, who would have thought
0: years ago we'd have this ability to do this genetic testing, right? And so I think it's so powerful because like you said, then you can really hone in on what it is that, that that patient has really got going on and let's take care of that, you know, and even be able to like foresight, right? This is genetically what you might be predisposed for. So let's try to treat you now before you get to that end of the disease, right? I love that. Do you find that more women are starting to take control of that and and leaning more towards a functional side of medicine? I remember I had um, a friend whose daughter was becoming a nurse, a doctor, and I remember her telling me, she told her daughter, listen, you want to be successful in this. When your clients come in, when your patients come in, really listen to them and hear what they're saying, because they know their body, they're living with their body every single day, they're coming into to you for 20 minutes, maybe 10 minutes tops with you. So they they're living it 24 seven, right. So I know when I was introduced to functional medicine, that it was like an aha. Uh-huh. And I like almost 20 years ago, I was introduced to it. So as you and I were sharing before, you know, I go to my doctor for the things I have to go to, because that's where I need to go for that particular. Yes issue. But they challenged me on my taking control of of what I'm doing. So are you finding more women are are leaning towards a functional medicine?
1: Absolutely. You know, when I first started out, I had to do a lot of education because people didn't know what it was. Um, And didn't even know that uh, something existed such as giving your body something that will help it heal like vitamin D, for instance, and, you know, we've heard about vitamin D this past year, and how important that is in zinc, we've heard about that. I've known that for years. So that that really is at the cellular level, what your body requires, and under certain conditions, your body requires more of something. Lifestyle is a big piece of it also. And so that's been um, education as well, what kind of lifestyle, what lifestyle, is right for you, and so that's really important. And when I first started out, I did a lot of education, and now people are searching for functional medicine. They're going on the internet and they're looking for functional medicine. The word has become very popular, uh, and or they might be looking up integrative medicine or natural medicine or any of those things. When you Google, um, I come up, and so that is um, what people are now looking for. So people are searching me out. I'm not marketing to get people and understand what I do. That's really exciting for me that I've got to see that over the years to evolve the way it has. So that's been really exciting.
0: Yeah. It's funny. You say that about the, you know, the past year we're talking about vitamin D and you know, the zinc and vitamin C and vitamin B, how important all those are for our immune system. And I, you know, you and I've talked where I, you know, I have a product line that I love being the isotomics line and how, you know, it's been a big part of my life for at least the past three years since I've been introduced to it. And, you know, for me, that was like right away my go-to, make sure my levels are up. And it's funny how now we're coming full circle and it's becoming more prevalent and understanding, you know, these are important vitamins other than our daily, you know, calcium, magnesium, and, you know, those things we hear about all the time. we, We forget that how important, and I'm in Florida and everybody goes, oh, you get vitamin D, you know, you go outside, you get it. We all know that's not enough vitamin D, right? And so I think it's really powerful that you are able to, you know, share that education with your, with your clients and your patients. Um, So let me ask you this. So let's kind of move. So through functional medicine, I learned about thermography and I love thermography and we were talking before. And so for me, that's a big part of my health as a, as a woman is incorporating thermography. Can you share with us like a little bit more about thermography and give us a little bit, information on how it works and why it's good to use thermography?
1: Yeah, I love thermography. I've been using it for about 15 years now. And thermography in itself is really a risk assessment tool. It's not a diagnostic tool. And that is the difference that we need to understand. Uh, Because If you go into your doctor and you say I do thermography, they, they, they might put it as as not a valid test, you have to be very clear that it's not diagnostic, it is a risk assessment tool. And what that is, is it's it gives you an idea of your breasts at risk for developing breast cancer. Uh, and it actually can give you a score in numbers and it's measured. It's a far infrared camera that we take the pictures and it's measured the hot and cold spots in the breasts and there's temperature controls. And we have a um, specialized radiologist that reads these and determines the um, you know, your risk, according to what it looks like in your breast. And so we can find things and it's a functional test also. And the difference between functional and um, like a digital mammogram, a digital mammogram or just a regular mammogram, they're looking at structure. So it's, it's like they're the structure of the body. So they need to see a lump needs to be visible for it to show up on a mammogram that's different than the functional test of a thermogram where this is more energy. And it's at the cellular level, if there's changes in that energy, it shows up on, it shows up on it. So there may be some cancer cells developing that are nowhere near to a tumor, a visible tumor, but there's could be some cancer cells developing, and that shows up as a, um, as a different pattern on the thermogram. And so that's, how we decide this is your risk factor. And so um, we can find things on a thermogram up to six to eight years prior to anything ever showing on a mammogram. So I'm a a really big fan of it as a risk assessment tool. And so that is um, one thing that I really want to get clear that it's not diagnostic. So I don't use it instead of a mammogram, but we do use it as a screening and risk assessment tool. If they would be at high risk, I would recommend a mammogram then. Um, And so that is that is the difference. So many women that are healthy, and they do thermograms, and they do regular breast checks, they choose not to get mammograms. uh, And that's okay, if their thermogram is fine, I'm okay with it. Um, But because it is not diagnostic. But if your thermogram is clear, and it's the same for years and years and years and years and years, your risk of breast cancer is very, very low. Uh, and so we can kind of keep an eye on that every six months, every year, and see and then the other thing is on that it, it looks at changes. So let's say it's, you're going along for years, you're fine. And all of a sudden, there's changes. Um, and so those changes are something's going on, there's something at the cellular level that is changing on that thermogram. And so then you want to kind of ramp up on that. And a lot of times it starts with an inflammatory process. And so then you treat the inflammation, I do some things to you do uh, breast massage, and I even have a uh, breast oil that I use, that's a lymphatic oil that helps um, get that out of the breast. And so I do a lot of things preventatively, again, preventing disease, so preventing that breast cancer. I love that. And you can use thermography, right, for other areas, too. It's not just for your breasts, right? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Some areas are very valid on the thermography thermography and some are not. So like the thyroid is a really good indicator. The mouth, um, I love the mouth because the mouth actually has a lot of bacteria. Our our gums, our our teeth have a lot of bacteria, very visible on the um, thermography. And so I do like recommend dentistry or something if I see something on there. The mouth is really important to keep um, clean. And we do know, and there are some pictures if you go into the archives of thermography There are photos of somebody that may have breast cancer that came from their mouth, literally, big white white is a bad spot on a um, thermography. And you can see the trail of it going all the way down to where that cancer is. So it's really uh, interesting. And I think our mouth and oral health is extremely important. Uh, we do know that there's a lot of bacteria that can lead to a cancer in the oral cavity. So yes, I do. I do mouth now it doesn't brain is not a good It doesn't pick up the brain. So we know that. Um, So I would never say anything about the brain from a thermography. So we know certain things, the eyes, it doesn't really pick up, it might say something like inflammation at a certain area. um, But it doesn't pick up on every organ, um, deeper organs, like the brain, it doesn't prostate is not a good ovaries, it's really not the best for ovaries. Um, and some GI stuff, it's it's okay. Um, but breasts, it's really good thyroid, it's really good mouth, it's really good. Um, uh, uh, circulation it's really good in the extremities. Um, and so neuro- neuropathies will show up on there or any circulatory problems. Uh, so when you see that, then that would prompt you to do further testing. So again, it's a risk assessment tool, it would prompt you to do other testing to prevent illness disease. I
0: love that. And thanks for clarifying that.
1: So, because I've shared with
0: you, you know, I go to my doctor. So now I've got a better way of saying this. I use this for risk assessment. So, yes. so those of you who are listening, that's really important. Understand it's risk assessment. So,
1: yes, I, I always want to get that clear um, because if we stay clear on what it really is used for, then we stay um, out of trouble. So we don't get, you know, that we're bucking the mammogram because the mammogram is the gold standard for detecting and diagnosing. Um, actually, it's not diagnostic either, it it is a screening tool. Um, And so that is really clear. And the thing about this, uh, um, the risk assessment, I liken it to when you get your cholesterol, just because you have high cholesterol doesn't mean you have heart disease, right? So just because your thermogram is showing something funky doesn't mean you have breast cancer either. So if you go in to have a have a thermography, and you get a report back that you know, there's something showing up on here, we need to do further testing. That doesn't mean you have breast cancer, a lot of stuff shows up on there that prior to ever having breast cancer. So it's a risk assessment tool, just like getting your cholesterol is.
0: Awesome. And so we're going to make our way through this process, I kind of started, you know, so we got to the breast. So now let's talk about what all us women. (coughs) That nasty letter that begins with the M—menopause and premenopause, right? So, so for me, I had a complete hysterectomy. First, I had a partial hysterectomy in 2000, and then 2005, I had to go in and actually have a complete hysterectomy. And so, I know through many years before trying to get pregnant, uh, you know, I tried for 10 years um, before we adopted our first son, and then we were able to have through infertility our second son. And I know for many years, like I think it was like seven years in a row, I was having fibro tumors and just dealing with that and having, to. and that was before they did, you know, laparoscopy stuff. I had to go and have the actual surgery, like a C-section surgery. And so, you know, because way back then when I did in 2005, when I had to complete hysterectomy, I made the choice of not doing, I didn't want to do just any kind of medicine just because prescriptions, just because. I was, you know, had this hysterectomy. I just don't like to take meds unless it's necessary because I'm very much more in that functional natural way, right? And so, talk to us about what are you seeing with women coming in with menopause. Are, are you seeing that women with, you know, all the conditions in the world we have going on? Are you seeing women going to menopause earlier, later? And what would you say is some of the biggest struggles with that that women are dealing with?
1: Yeah, so menopause is kind of my wheelhouse. I, it's, it's one of my favorite topics. Perimenopause and menopause is really what I like to talk about most. I started treating women before I actually went through it myself. Uh, and so when I was in my early 30s, I was treating women in menopause. And then I went through menopause at age 50. And so then you kind of understand it a lot more. And so I'm really clear um, on you know your treatment for menopause. And really, honestly, it starts with lifestyle. And I cannot say that enough. Uh, women, and and I even have a little tagline that I say, if you're not healthy, going into menopause, you will be forced to be healthy, because you'll figure it out. That if you sleep better, if you eat better, if you exercise better, and you manage your stress, that is going to get you through menopause more than anything. And then there's all these other little supportive things. And so um, in 2002, uh, the big scare came out that estrogen caused breast cancer. And that was really probably it was a really pivotal point in my practice, because women just went off hormones completely, and decided they're never going to go on hormones. And it's almost 20 years later. And we still believe that estrogen causes breast cancer. There's so many other things that cause breast cancer and estrogen for many women is is a needed thing. Uh, And so I do determine, you know, whether women need breast cancer, many women still choose not Need hormones? Many women still choose not to do hormones, and that is their choice. Uh, And and so I like to help them really work with their body to be the best that they can be because estrogen and progesterone are really important for many things: our bones, our brain, our heart. Uh, And so you want to promote that as much as you can naturally, if you can, or um, go on hormone replacement therapy if needed. So those are things that we all look at, Um, but. Now, um, when you say now, what is our most thing, I I don't think it's changed a lot, maybe a little bit more this past year is stress. Um, And so what happens in the body, and I really like to educate this because this needs to be understood for you to do the things that I would recommend. And so stress is really our biggest thing. And here's what happens when your ovaries during menopause they start not functioning as well. So that's a decline. It's a natural decline in aging. Right around age 50, those ovaries for most women, you know, obviously, there's a lot of variance in there. Uh, For most women, that's about the age. And when those ovaries start not working anymore, the other hormone glands, the other glands in our body need to kick in and work. And the biggest glands that need to kick in are our adrenal glands. Because that's where you're going to get some production now of estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, that you were getting a majority of it from your ovaries. Now it's going to come majority from your adrenal glands. So it only makes sense to keep those adrenal glands healthy. So what are the adrenal glands? Well, the adrenal glands secrete out cortisol and adrenaline, their main hormones, and then some DHEA and melatonin and a few other things. But the cortisol is kind of that main hormone and adrenaline. Uh, and these things need to be in balance. And so cortisol, many people have heard it's our stress hormone, and it is. Uh, And so if you're under a lot of stress, you're secreting out more and more cortisol. Now, if you've been in chronic stress, where you've been stressed since a child, and you go through menopause, you're going to have a lot harder time because basically, you hardly have enough cortisol. So now you're low in cortisol, and that's even worse. And so what happens at menopause when we get that crash, that has to do with our cortisol. And so cortisol is so important in our sleep-wake cycle. It's important in our energy. It's our natural anti-inflammatory. I like to say that slowly because so many women start getting achy. And they just their body aches and their joint aches. And that has to do with cortisol not being in balance. So the cortisol has to work harder now that those ovaries are not working for you. The adrenal glands have to work harder. And so cortisol is a really important hormone now to keep in balance. Um, It also is our immune system. And so we know after menopause, women have more trouble with immune system, Uh, you hear of women having allergies all of a sudden, or they get more colds and flus or they just don't feel as well because estrogens are so important for our bodily functions that when there's a change in it. So supporting your adrenal glands is a must because that is going to help you still secrete out some estrogen. Um, as well as um, having that um, cortisol imbalance. So I'm really big on the stress. Uh, that is kind of like at the top of my list for um, uh, menopausal treatment with the lifestyle. And then the other hormone that we have to really pay attention to is our insulin. And that comes from the pancreas. And so the insulin changes also at menopause because the ovaries are no longer working. So the endocrine system is this is this um, system of glands that secrete hormones. And when one of them is not working, the others have to kick in and work for us. And so naturally, those ovaries are not going to work. So we have to have really good functioning pancreas. We have to have a really good functioning um, adrenal glands. These are really important for our symptoms, but not just our symptoms, but preventing chronic illness. So that is a must. So insulin is managed by diet and exercise mainly, and stress as well. Cortisol is diet, exercise and stress. So lifestyle is a really, really big deal. You can't, I don't even like putting hormones on a woman unless their lifestyles are in check, because it can be more dangerous putting hormones on a woman that is not healthy. So we have to get our lifestyles in check and it is the foundation of what I teach.
0: That's so powerful. And that's exactly what we talk about here at Women's Successful Living is we talk about, you know, self-care and and part of, you know, we, we actually, are, we're doing a free online retreat right now. And during the retreat, one of the days we talk about is 15 ways to take care of your self-care. And the first like half of them are like all around health and wellness, drinking enough, sleeping enough, yes. managing your stress, eating healthy, like how to dine in and, you know, versus dining out, like all of that is so powerful and so, so important. And and you're right. I think I've had more friends when they're not healthy, you know, are, are sicker longer. Right. they are right. oh, sick again, you know, and I'm like, let me just bring you something. Let me just exactly. get your package. Right. And, and so, it's so, so important. in that self-care, like, and like you said, we, especially women, we tend to take on a lot more on our shoulders. You know, if you're, whether you're a professional, you're, you have kids, you don't have kids, no matter what, it's like this natural thing. And, and so That's one of the things I love to work with women on is about that self-care, like learning how to delegate out to your family. I share the story that my sister-in-law, my my youngest nephew, he's going to be seven in January and at four years old, she was teaching him how to fold his clothes and put them away. And I was like, wow, that's so powerful. Like, what? I never did that with my kids at that young age, right? And she's like, listen, if I'm going to have time for him and time for me, he's got to, you know, he needs to learn the simple things that he can do. And a child can learn how to fold clothes. You know, she's not perfectly folded, but he gets the concept. And so it's really cool to watch watched him grow. And for me, what I told her, what I love about it is that because I work with women and I watch women struggle so much about, Balancing their kids. I mean, my story is, you know, I put my kids before me for many, many years, and for a while there, I even put my oldest before my youngest. So there's a lot of guilt that was carried there, and to release that, you know, and realize that, hey, Mama has to take care of her before she can take care of everybody else. And you know, we grew up. I mean, I grew up an Italian family. You know, Mom did everything. Even though Mom worked, she still did everything. You know, and and that's what we were taught. And now. In today's world, it's a two household income that's managing. And then we throw on last year's COVID of like balancing, now I got to be a teacher. I didn't sign up to be a teacher, right? I sent my kids to school for that profession, right? I don't know that I could have done it, but you're right. There's so much more stress that we are carrying and it makes a huge difference. And like you said, in, in everything we do and especially going into menopause, I like that. I've never, you know, I love how you said that about. You've got to take care of yourself now before you go into menopause because it makes so much easier for yourself. Right. And so oh, go with, ahead. Oh, sorry. So I know with like what you're doing with that. So what are some of the things like education-wise that you that you do with the patients when they come in? Is there a protocol that you like to walk them through? Like if somebody so like for me, I'll give you an example. I tried pellets once and it's the worst thing I ever could have done for my life. I regret it to this day. Anybody that's listening, if you love them, that's certainly up to you. And, but for me, it just is like the worst mistake I could have made. And so what are some of the things you're seeing women come in and going, I want, I want to know more about this.
1: Yeah. Um, well, it's interesting you brought up pellets because I've no, I, I haven't been a fan of that because there's some women that do absolutely f- fabulous on them, but the majority don't. And, and, um, and, and there's a lot of tweaking, there's a lot going on there. And it's all about how you metabolize your estrogens. That's how everything is, it's how we metabolize our estrogens. And so if you're, if you're not eating good, you're not sleeping, you're not your body will not metabolize your estrogens well. So I have a standard, I go through eating. Okay, so eating manages your insulin. When your insulin is managed well, your hormones are going to feel better, you're, you're not going to have hot flashes, having spikes of increased um, uh, uh, blood sugars or bottom out blood sugars, you, ha- you get symptoms, you get symptoms of fatigue, you get symptoms of hot flashes, night sweats, all of those things. So managing your insulin is really important. And you do that through diet and exercise. I am a Uh, now a fan of intermittent fasting, uh, because that has really shown there's a lot of studies that's showing on that is helping balance out those insulin levels. And so I get people to try intermittent fasting, I think it's a great, um, it seems to be working really well for menopausal women for me. Um, and they're really appreciative of learning that. And basically, I'm, I'm a pretty simplistic person anyway. I found that being difficult um, leads to uh, noncompliance. So so if you keep it simple, um, it, most people can do what they need to do. So it, as far as diet and intermittent fasting, what I recommend just simply, I just write it out for them, uh, pick an eight-hour period of time a day eat within that eight hours, three meals, no snacks in between. So you eat, wait four hours, eat, wait four hours, eat. This is working really well for most people. Now, everybody's different. Um, And so then you have to get into more individualized, but that works for most people. I also tell people um, to get a balance of carbohydrate, fat and protein, we need it all. Um, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of a strict keto diet, because many women in menopause need those carbohydrates. So although our regular diets are too high in carbohydrates, I'm not a fan of no carbohydrates. So uh, right around 60 grams, 60 to 80 grams is kind of what I recommend. So uh, we do need carbohydrates to um, produce hormones and manage hormones and have that hormonal production. So I'm not a really great fan of no carbohydrates or less than 20 grams of carbohydrates. Um, You know, so that's... um, not a popular thing because some people absolutely love keto, but I've seen a lot of people get sick on keto. I work with women and I work with women and it, it does mess up the thyroids a lot, and and when a menopausal woman does a keto diet, it doesn't work that great. Now, a 25 year old healthy gal that does a keto diet might work just fine for her, but a menopausal woman, uh, their their thyroids are being adjusted now too, with the ovaries going out, and so um, I, I'm seeing some problems with the keto diet with those women. Now, if you do keto diet and you you do that modified keto, I, I'm a modified keto where you are getting a little more fats in your diet, because we do need fat to produce hormone. And a lot of women went to low fat diets years ago, and that was not healthy for us. So fats are really important. And the good fats, you know, a little avocado um, and protein with that is, is a really good like a egg and avocado breakfast is, and then some greens and some tomatoes and things like that on it is a really perfect breakfast. Uh, and then vegetables. Uh, I'm high on vegetables if because of the estrogen metabolism. So it is, um, I've recommended eating a pound of vegetables a day, which is a lot. Um, But if you can get in more vegetables, it is going to help that um, estrogen metabolism. And that's where it's all at with symptoms too. And the cruciferous vegetables actually have a substance in them called indole carbonyl that actually help that estrogen metabolism. So Brussels sprouts, cauliflower, broccoli, uh, cabbage, these things, kale, these things are really good for that estrogen metabolism. So you can do a lot with foods, a lot with foods. So I do talk a lot about foods. Exercise. (coughs) I am a fan of moderate exercise. Um, What happens at menopause is women will come into menopause and they start getting getting that little weight gain that we were told 7 to 10 pounds tell them that's our new norm i don't believe that has to happen um, but you need to explain that that is, you know, weight gain is a is a common thing with menopause. So what happens then is women start exercising more, and that's not really uh, the way to do it, uh, especially if you're already exercising a lot. And the reason for that is is you're pouring out adrenaline. Remember, adrenaline comes from those adrenal glands. So you actually want to do calming exercises. So if you're a high aerobic exerciser and you're working out an hour of high aerobics every day, no breaks or two hours a day or whatever, you need to calm down your exercising. And it's really an odd conversation when you tell somebody to cut back on exercise to lose weight, Um, but it is the truth. And I see it all the time when these high exercising women cut down to, um, to lose weight, and they actually lose weight. And it's all about resting those adrenal glands, and letting them calm down. So I'm a huge fan of Pilates, love Pilates, yoga, just stretching and meditation with your exercise is just really, really important. Um, And so that's the kind of exercise I recommend. Sleep is the next thing. And I really highly recommend getting a good night's sleep will make a huge difference. And we all know this. When you don't sleep well, you don't feel as well. What's more prominent at menopause, I will be honest, I used to be able to get very little sleep and function just fine. Now I do not. Um, And I used to stay up late. And now when I stay up too late, it, it affects me. And so I do know after menopause, That has changed and it changes for most women. Sleep is really important. Sleep is when we rebuild our chemistry. And so it's important to sleep. And if you're waking up between 2 and 4 a.m. almost the same time every night, like, oh, 3.10, here it is again, I'm awake. uh, That really has to do with adrenals. And it tells me that your adrenals, when women say that, I see your adrenals are not working well for you. We need to focus on that. The best time to sleep is 11 to 7. It's really hard for women also because we like to wake up at five o'clock and get our adrenaline exercise in. It's probably one of the worst things you can do for yourself when you're healing your hormones. So if your hormones are all in balance, you might be able to tolerate that. But while you're healing them, 11 to 7 is the best just because of the way our hormones are released. So in the morning when we wake up, our cortisol start to rise. And if you get it to rise too early, it can have, um, create some fatigue throughout the day. Um, and so 11 to seven is best. Um, I have to negotiate that one with a lot of women. We, we try and figure out a sleeping plan for them because that's a hard thing to do if you're a woman that is waking up at 5, 435 because you want that quiet time. Um, if that's the case, you must be getting to bed at nine and maybe your body is okay with that. But if you're having symptoms, maybe it's not. So we have to talk about that. Um, And then I stress management and, and this is a must. And so a lot of women, they are dedicated to that 30 minutes, 40 minutes, one hour of exercise every day. We have to now dedicate that same amount of time, 30 minutes to some kind of quiet time, whether it's meditation, whether it's listening to music Uh, reading a book, whatever it is that calms you sitting in a chair, um, laying down doing whatever it's calming, your body is calm, taking a bath, whatever it is, you need to figure it out for yourself. And do that 30 minutes. And that needs to be some dedicated time for your body to calm and relax for those adrenal glands.
0: I love all this information. This has been so amazing. Those of you that are listening. Oh my gosh, I hope you took lots of notes because I've got lots of notes and I'm probably gonna have to go back and listen to the recording to make sure I got enough notes. <laughs> so, this is so powerful. And I like what you said too about taking that time. So yes, like that sleep is so, so important. And I was sharing with you how, you know, I was in a clubhouse room with you last week and I sleep good and all of a sudden, bam, something, you know, so I'm, I'm getting all that blood work and everything done to make sure everything's just going right. But I love, I have this uh, new habit that because you're right, I mean, I go We in our neighborhood here, we can walk up and go, there's an exercise room we can use, but I create a habit. It's funny, it's grown into online. We have this 100 days of walking for self-care. So it's an online group. It's open to anybody, anywhere. So if you're listening, you just go to W, you on Facebook, it's W S Living or WSL, excuse me, 100 days walking of self-care. And so what we're doing is we're just making this movement on this 100 days of walking for self-care where we just want you to go out and want you to just walk, and while you're walking, think about things for you. So some this week we're going to start. Um, this week we talk about just walking and get an accountability partner within the group, right? But next week we're going to talk about affirmations. Like while you're walking, say an affirmation to yourself. But I love. I get up in the morning. I'll go sit outside. I have a porch swing. I take my journals outside, I do all my journaling, I do my prayer, I do my meditation, and then my sneakers are with me. I pop them on, and I go walk my neighborhood so it's like you know if you set up a routine for those who are listening when you set up that routine and you allow yourself that quiet time, it's so powerful like I used to go around'd be busy, 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 and I' ever so often there go, <sighs> and my girlfriend would go, "Why are you breathing like that Mike?" I didn't know. Do I? don't even know I was doing it right. And when I learned from I have a meditation coach that we we partner with. When I learned from her about meditation, I don't need a plug and play. I can just sit with myself and meditate. It's like, wow! I can just breathe. I just go back to my breath. So it's so powerful, and I'm so honored that we had you here today and talking about all these things that I share with everybody on here and I coach with everybody to have somebody like reaffirm self care has got to be our number one priority to take care of everything in our health right down to when we're going to menopause. So it's just so powerful. So I want to thank you so much. And I want you to share with everybody before we go. So everybody who listens knows that we have a question that we do. We're going to do that in a minute. But Dr. Rhonda, will you share with everybody how they can find you social media
1: website? Can you share that with everybody? Sure. Um, I, my website is drrhonda.com, D-R-R-H-O-N-D-A.com, and I have uh, a few tools on there. Um, I am on Instagram, and it is Rhonda Jolliffe on Instagram and Facebook, and my clinic on Facebook is Lifeways, and my... Uh, I also have a, a web or a Facebook, Doctor Rhonda, uh, and so those are Facebook. I don't do much Twitter, so I do have a Twitter account, but I don't do much Twitter. And honestly, <clears throat> I'm not a huge social media person. So if you go on there and you're disappointed, it's, it's it's just not my thing. And I um, but I'm trying. It's one of my goals is to get better on on, on on social media. I you know it's I I'm I'm not one to like talk tell my whole story and do all that, but I'm trying to start Instagram doing some menopausal tips that's kind of where I'm going. Um, I'm also in the process of um, working on an online program for menopausal women so if you if you connect with me on those things, um, you can, uh, you'll hear more about it through my list. Um, if you go to my website, and you download my ebook on um, hormones, uh, that will put you on my list. And then when my menopausal programs come out sometime this fall, I'm thinking, um, you'll, you'll be aware of it. So you can stay connected that way. So I I'm, I'm put myself out there a little bit more this year, uh, <laughs> on social media and, and online for some digital programs, which I think is really vitally important. I'm surprised, and um, I always think people know all this information, and so sometimes I'm surprised that um, women don't. But it's kind of like me—if um, a banker, that that's what they do all day long. They think everybody knows that stuff. I don't know anything about banking, you know. Right. And so, so I'm—I'm I'm really my my this next part of my lifetime is really to educate, mentor, and and help others um, learn this information and live it. Uh, and so that's that's where you can find me.
0: Awesome. I'm so glad that we were able to be that platform when you do that. Program, you. We'll have you come back in the fall and definitely share, share. Oh, love it. Thank yeah. you for being with us today. All right. So I prepared Dr. Rhonda to know that I have these cards they are called better questions, better life. So you can go to better questions, And so I'm just going to move them. I'm not okay. letting her see. She's going to tell me when to stop and we're going to ask her the question. So you Okay. Tell me stop. stop. All right. Let's see. So your question is, Oh, well, and I think he just answered. But what am I creating?
1: Well, I, look at there, your course. That was totally meant to be. I am creating a course. Uh, yes, I'm. I'm creating a couple courses, and also I'm looking at doing some retreats, women's retreats. Um, my, a good friend of mine just bought this um uh, ranch in Bo- in Bozeman, Montana, and she's making it into a venue. And so I'm looking at doing some retreats too. So that is part of my creation as well. That's a great question. Oh, well, that was a great question. And we'll have as, so those that are listening,
0: we you know, Dr. Rhonda, you and I will have to talk about retreats because I have a whole yes. team that we put together and we do these amazing retreats. And so we do a pajama retreat every year for those that are listening. You show up in your you, you show up. Thursday, we have a makeup removal wine tasting, and we're in our pajamas all weekend long. <laughs> I'll send you the link, Dr. Ron. It's just so powerful. And so the whole weekend, we have empowerment speakers, we have breakout sessions, we do yoga, we do hiking, and we finish up on Sunday. We have a special really fun thing that happens on Sunday morning. But then Sunday afternoon, we go do something like within the town, we find things to go do. So this year, I have a fear of heights. Last year we did zip lining and they told me that was a baby zip line. So this year, I guess I'm going zip lining again over the trees in the mountains of uh, Tennessee. So, so that's so awesome. I love retreats. And actually the funny thing is you'll have to share that information with your friend because we're talking about doing a retreat in in the in Montana next year, so I'd love to talk to her about that. So well,
1: let's this, talk about that. Let's yeah. talk. Her venue is going to be just amazing, so that would be awesome. Yeah,
0: we'll definitely get that information from you, and we'll make sure to share it too, as we when we um, put the podcast out, so people can, if they're interested and want to know more about venues, we're always looking for venues. So I Great. want to thank you for, for joining me today and and being on a conversations with Pearl and and. Just, I want to remind all the listeners, you guys all know that I share with you that we're all brought into this world as an oyster. And then we open up this beautiful clam. And within that clam is a gorgeous pearl. And even though my name is Pearl, I believe you all are an amazing pearl inside that <laughs> oyster. And I want you to go find your inner pearl to greatness. So have an amazing day. And thank you so much for joining us.
1: I love it. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. Good to see you again. Had to walk out to let you back in. Stuck in a